to you at Masterpiece Theater Presents Jabrovsky, Private Eye. It was a dark and stormy night. The kind of a night that makes a right back want to become a central defender. She walked into my office a month after I'd been kicked off the force. Jabrovsky, you've gone too far out of formation this time. You're off the force, Jabrovsky. Turn in your badge and your gun. The first thing I noticed about her was her luscious hair. Her face hidden by the shadows. As I stared at those gorgeous gams, she said to me, Hello, my name is Andrea Pirlo. I need help but to find my pasta. It wasn't a dame at all. Those sultry legs and those sexy curves belonged to a beautiful man who somehow conformed to all my cultural preconceptions about Italians. We talked and I told him I'd look for his pasta. And it would be hard work. I knew I'd have to go deep cover. In Minnesota. They roll their pasta flat there and they throw it in a baking dish with cheese, vegetables, sour cream, and tater tots. And that's how it started. The case of the missing hot dish. Coming to you from the Twin Cities, this is Tough Cost. And welcome to Tough Cost by two United fans. This is Notch. And this is Jeff and dearie me, dearie mine. It's episode 49. <laughs> you were being back to being Arthur Blank there for a second. That is it's, Arthur Blank. Yeah. Get you get you a mint julep. You know, I like our recurring characters, though. I really do. We actually, we've done the sketches long enough to have recurring characters. Right? We've got Wanan. You've got uh, mm-hmm. Bobby. We've got uh, Bobby fucking Carmichael. Yeah. We have uh, your, yeah, we got Wanan. Wanan is probably our star. Yeah, really. Well, I mean, he's he's got the voice for it, right? Mm-hmm. He is. I mean. He does. If he, like, pulls a Johnny Steele and gets kicked out of the league or, like, his jerseys go on discount in May, I'm going to be pissed, man. Uh, you uh, come on! I'd buy a one on discount jersey. Are you kidding me? Actually, I think his he would be enough of a recurring character that he can just stay. Like I'd write to him and be like, "Look, I know you're not gonna play soccer, but why don't you come and like uh, crash on my couch?" Our, yeah, exactly. Be in all our <laughs> sketches. You know, <laughs> we just write about you more. Um, well, so, good to see you, man. Yeah, welcome back. Thank you. Thank we you. A, we had a bit of a mix up without you. I, I can't go on without you. <laughs> I was listening to the to the recording that got messed up, and it's freaking hilarious. I have, like, half a mind to put it out there, because it's like... So what ended up happening was I was going to be doing an episode with Jake. Uh, Jake, we'll get you back on sometime. Shout out to you. And Abe, a pody. Shout out to you too, Abe. Um, and we're going to do the first half, do some hot takes, one minute per team, and talk about... Talk me into them, talk me out of them. And so it was, like, 35 seconds of one of us saying, like, oh, yeah, this team's going to be really good, and then 25 the other one saying, that's bullshit. And uh, then Abe was going to come on for the second half and talk about the u.s national team because they're two um big two leg games actually i suppose yeah there are four games that happened between the last pod and this pod with the u.s men's teams the u23s of the seniors so we're going to talk about those and it was going to be like oh yeah we have 15 minutes for the first part 25 and the microphone for some reason was recording at double speed 
which means that we actually recorded for 30 <laughs> minutes in the first segment and 50 minutes in the second segment and would have just had this massive episode that five people would have liked, um, which would have been the Ruder parents, Abe, and I don't know, two... Jürgen Klinsmann. Jürgen Klinsmann probably... Yeah. Actually, no, we had some anti-Jürgen talk there, so oh, really? he wouldn't have liked it. No, he would have liked it. He apparently lived so, off the so fire. So are, are, you, are you in the fire Jürgen camp now, uh, now uh, that... I think at this point, it's probably too late. They should have fired him a year ago. So I think you're they, a pragmatist. I think that they should have fired him after the Gold Cup, man. And they didn't. And now it's so close. Um, I mean, America has a chance in September, which is their next two qualifiers, to clinch, to get into the hex. Yeah. Which is the the final for mm-hmm. CONCACAF. So it's too close where if you're going to fire someone, either you do it like right now so that they actually have six months to kind of gel and use the Copa America, or you're shit out of luck and he's here until yeah. you're done with World Cup qualifying or the World Cup. Also, I mean, Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho are already taken. So, like, the yeah. guy, you know, all the suggestions from the guys at Brits. The guys uh, who had you know, reached out and clearly said, we want to coach America. Right, of course, because they do. Greatest country in the world, man. No you know, no I think Donald Trump should be the coach of the men's national team. He'd There's make it great time. again. You know, he might make him great again, and I feel like he would actually... Uh, really he would actually force the issue to keep the differentiation between the men's and the women's teams <laughs> nice segue i like that oh my god <laughs> in the week where he was a, a dick to to women everywhere uh, it was only one week he was a dick to women everywhere right good point um yeah. well the the five players from the women's national team have filed suit against sweet filed suit against the US soccer federation uh for wage discrimination and um i'll be honest i th- my views on this are pretty much that people should be compensated fairly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's fair that the women get to play on shitty turf to, mm-hmm. to endanger their health and that they're not get, that they're getting paid under market wages. Mm-hmm. You know, given how much well, revenue they're bringing. It would in. be one. I mean, uh, neither side is supportable, but it would be one thing if it was closer, and it was like. You know, oh, the men for qualifying for the World Cup, they get a $2 million pool. The split between the players and the women get one and a half. That would be one thing. The numbers came out today, and the men get $2 million to split. The women get nothing. Mm. Nothing. Like, that's not even remotely close. And there are so many other instances where the men get so much more. And yet the women are the team that, frankly, are more marketable right now, are the team that probably draw a greater fan interest and the team that is doing better on the field respective to their competition. So this is where I have some complicated views. Because I think for better or for worse, because of the proliferation of things like the EPL, guys like Dempsey, guys like Tim Howard, are the guys who who are more household names in America. Mm-hmm. But that, see, that, that that's not the point, though. Like, all of this stuff doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it only matters the money that's coming in. Mm-hmm. And that's... Uh, Someone posted a pretty interesting thing where he was like, what if there were two separate federations making their own wages rather than one federation that was setting the wages for both? Mm-hmm. And I think in that sense, I would prefer that because then the the women's federation would you know, pay attention to the safety of their players instead of having all of their attention being taken up by other things that they prioritize because of the inherent sexism of the systems that we live in. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the point is, I, I think there's going to be a verdict here and I'm going to trust, hopefully trust that it's fair. I don't think I trust myself to come to something that's equitable. I don't think mm-hmm. I'm intelligent enough to figure out with these very complicated issues, 
what's right, quote unquote. Well, I'll give you, I mean, you, you mentioned the kind of the, the EPL, um, I mean, the boost of someone like a Dempsey and a Howard. If you're just looking at like who the number one striker is, I think that more Americans know who Abby Wambach is than know who Josie Altador is. I think that more people would immediately recognize Alex, Alex Morgan on the street compared to someone like even like a Michael Bradley. And part of that's because he's a bald dude. And so they'd be like, oh, random bald guy. I'm not going to randomly like walk up to him. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that within this country, they're more recognizable. Sure. And I think they have more admiration from their own peers too. Admiration I will 100% give you. Okay. So I I, I think we both agree. We're just coming at it from different angles that it's bullshit yeah. and how I, it's happening. I, I, I think it's bullshit. I just feel like I'm not smart enough to come up with a solution. One thing that I do think I have a solution for though is this next issue. Again, sexism and gear. So so when the jerseys for the the women's team came out um in in the promotional pictures the actual players are wearing the same jersey the men and the women they're wearing the same cut you know around the neck normal you know what you think of jerseys mm-hmm. the ones that went on sale though for the women suddenly are really low cut and mm-hmm. You know, shows a bunch of cleavage. Not as bad. Like, there was a picture of the Houston Dynamo's Adidas jersey, which is just freaking, like, basically like a stripper cut. And it's not that bad, but still, it's like Nike's saying, oh, you you will, unless you buy, like, the authentic version, which is, like, 160 bucks or something, you're not going to want to wear, like, a normal cut jersey. You're going to want to show the tits a little bit. Unless, which is so gross. Unless they buy a men's cut. You know, that's so, so gross. Like, and if you buy you the men's me? cut, you can't get three stars. Right. Right. That's like, the other problem. Like, are you kidding me? That's right. like Sepp Blatter's dream. Right. Remember that last year when he said, like, they should all wear tight shorts and exactly. low-cut shirts? That, and, and see, this is, this, is, this is when we think about the boardrooms and soccer. This is the kind of discussions that people are having. They're saying, uh, oh, yeah, these girls, they just want to, like, reveal themselves and they won't buy normal stuff. That's so such horseshit. Yep. I mean, it's... And, and the other thing I will say is, I have talked to now, you know, you were talking about marketability, about uh, well-known players. I've talked to a lot of guys who'd like to wear a Alex Morgan or uh, the the press jersey, you know. Uh, Abby Wambach, others. They would Megan like Pino, to wear those. Sydney LaRue. And, and to wear their names mm-hmm. without the stars on the crest, to me, that's an insult. So as you as a guy cannot get a jersey representing the women's team. And hey, guess what? If you're worried about confusion, give them two separate logos. Or tell one of them they can't use the United States moniker and call them states. Uh, that because, flew over my head. Because if they're both called United States, that's too many Uniteds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Arthur Blank. Let me get you some mint juleps. I no, but I think I think there's a very easy solution here, which is let people pick which crest they want to wear, and let people pick their cuts. I'm okay with people wearing low cut stuff. You like that? Go ahead. Actually, I don't know if I agree that they can pick which crest because the the men haven't earned the three stars. Yeah, but honestly, dude, if you're wearing a jersey with three stars and you put Dempsey on the back, you're an idiot and people are going to call you out for that. I don't think anybody is going to be like, oh, I'm going to try to like, you know, twisting their arms. They're going to be like, I'm going to wear this thing so that I can have the stars. They're going to wear it for the women's team. Mm -hmm. I think there's this kind of misconception that that the guys want to like, misrepresent themselves whereas i think a guy wearing a women's jersey is saying this is the team that i support this is the team that i i take pride in it's our women Mm -hmm. and just saying like by that that that's inherently not possible it's kind of is i don't know i i feel like you're just making a distinction that girls support the girls guys support the guys or girls can support the guys right 
which is another part, like you said, the Houston Dynamo thing. It's like, yeah, but no, you can still support the men. But you just don't see them. Yeah, it's it's absurd. It's just absolutely absurd. Anyway, the point is there's there's a bunch of sexism. We've got a ways to go before things can be equitable. And we'll see how it, how it sorts out. Um, we started off with my new favorite Minnesota United player, Jabrowski. Yeah. Just because of the name. Uh, there's, there's an initiative to get the, the chap signs. He signed with us recently. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, yep. we've got the, uh, the former Republican frontrunner. The former NYPD was cop he ever was actually out. a front runner. Yeah, he was. Please clap. Right, right. It's got to a point where people have forgotten that he was like a front runner at one point. Anyway, you, you know forgotten. all about Jabrowski, though. Well, yeah. I mean, we talked about him a few weeks ago on the pod too, so we don't need to spend a ton of time. I think that he's a great signing for them. I think he's a solid, solid signing. Um, identif- Why? He immediately sees himself as a central midfielder. Carl sees him. Uh, head coach Carl Craig sees him as a central midfielder as well, so he will be playing there unless in a pinch. Um, if Eva gets another red card, if uh, there's you know another injury on the back line, you know he'll be able to fill in there. But he is one of going to be one of the double sixes in the midfield um, for United this year. He's, I mean, he's a great guy. Honestly, like I, I, talking with him, I mean he's he's really focused. He's been on three MLS expansion teams already. Um, he was with Vancouver, drafted with Vancouver in their first year, their first, first round pick that they had, and then immediately went to Montreal and then went to New York city last year. And his contract is one year with multiple options for future years. So he might be on a fourth expansion team. So he's also a guy who's seen it multiple times through and has a good experience with that. And the fans seem to like him. I've got, I've, I've been monitoring, you know, I monitor Twitter for the team, uh, mentions and for dark cloud mentions and a lot of things and a lot of people have contacted the dark cloud saying like hey this guy is really cool and they want to get dark clouds and minnesota united gear just because he is now here in minnesota so he's he's made a positive impression in the places that he's been uh also shout out to jamie watson and danny cruz who went off to gillette children's yesterday to to do a bunch of service and make a few sick kids feel better that was incredible to yeah. see, see our team fantastic they're gonna be doing that. that about twice a month yeah um yeah, just awesome, awesome partnership mm-hmm. with Gillette's Children's. Yep. Uh, NASL, big NASL news. Uh, there are four broadcast deals in this league because one wasn't enough. Nope. And uh, I- I'm going to go through it quickly so that people now know what the situation is. The first thing to know is that national broadcast deals are different from local deals. Okay, so like, for example, Minnesota United has a deal with My29 Fox. Uh, and that's that takes care of local coverage for people who receive that local station. Mm-hmm. These four big national deals are separate from that. One of them affects the local deals. The others don't. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So, all right. First, vast majority of NASL games, something like 112 or something, are on ESPN3. Mm-hmm. Streaming on ESPN3, you need a cable subscription to access ESPN3. Uh, chances at this point, if you are a returning NASL fan, you know how to access it. Yeah. One World Sports last year picked up a few NASL games. This year, again, they're going to have that 30-minute highlight show with 11 spring games and 12 fall games. That seems odd. It seems weird to have that be such a close number considering the fall is twice as long. Actually, over twice twice as long. And we're going to get to why that's shorter in just a second. Uh, it's and, And the big the big change, though, is last year a lot of people complained that One World Sports games weren't accessible to people. 
So if it was on One World Sports, you needed either Sling TV, which you paid for, or the game had been taken off ESPN3 and put onto this paid thing. Turns out now One World Sports, the games are not going to be behind a paywall. So they're free to stream everywhere, okay? Mm-hmm. So that that's good. That's a huge change. NASL has a habit of responding to fan outrage about stuff like this. They did that with NASL Live this year. Last year, they did that with OWS this year. I'm really happy to see that personally. Anyway, moving along. First North American league to sign a deal with BN. Okay, that's the way it was now. BN Sports. I actually know BN quite well now after I've started following U.S. soccer because it's on at all the U.S. soccer bars. People watch La Liga, Madrid, Barcelona, and they're all on BN. And so BN is on at the Nomad, for example, like multiple times when I walk in for a Minnesota United game or to catch the bus, BN is just there. So in soccer circles, BN is popular. They're going to have a minimum of 34 NASL games, one per weekend, and none of the games on BN are blacked out locally. So if the, if the game's on BN, it'll still be, for example, on My29 Fox here in the Twin Cities. This next deal, however, affects local broadcast. CBS Sports, uh, the... The channel of Ultimate Frisbee and Extreme Kayaking. And bull riding. And bull riding and bowling. Uh, has <laughs> has picked up, and this is why OWS has an uh, uneven, non-proportional schedule. They've picked up, CBS has picked up 12 games in the fall. Mm-hmm. And which will be blacked out locally. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the streaming options for CBS are going to be. It's likely going to be, if you don't have it in your cable, your SOL. Yeah. So, which kind of sucks to me. That's awful. With uh, BN, you can get that on Fubo.tv or Sling. Uh, those subscriptions, which a lot of soccer fans have. Mm-hmm. And generally, games that are on One World Sports are only on One World Sports. Uh, in terms of the four national broadcasters, games on BN are only on BN. Games on CBS are only on CBS. Games on ESPN3 are only on ESPN3. I recommend that you go check out Northern Pitch's John Marthaler's article called NASL announces you won't know where to find your game this week. So you're not happy with this? No, I'm not, I'm happy with that piece. Definitely go check out John's piece. Yeah. Uh, great day satire as always, but John, um, I don't compartmentalizing it into four different deals makes it tough to follow where each one is. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a lot of these. Uh, the, the the inner details are that the league is paying for these TV deals. For the CBS one, for sure. I don't. Uh, do you know about the other two? I can't name which one, but one of them they are. I believe OWS was at least last year. They weren't. They might not have been paid for it, but they weren't paying for OWS last year. One World Sports. Yeah, I'll tell you why I think it's a good idea. Okay, um, the commissioner has said a few times that the goal was to. Get onto a network, which now they have three. <laughs> right. The I think each one offers a different kind of thing. One World Sports is, you know, the, the guys who gave NASL their first shot. BN are popular with the soccer crowd. CBS is in 50 to 60 million homes, which is more than BN. It's, I think, a more obscure channel, but it comes with a nice shiny CBS logo next to it. CBS never shows soccer games. I know, I know, but it's, that's it's, that's the one thing. Like, it has the shiny logo, but it doesn't actually have the shiny coverage. True, and this is this is the key, right? BN is going to give great soccer coverage. One World Sports is experienced with soccer coverage. CBS might be shit, but CBS is a major network. Mm-hmm. And when you, as a league, can say we're on a major network, and then you, someone asks you like, which channel on that network? Still, you're on, they get to use that nice little shiny logo, where, which adds a little bit of legitimacy to me. See, if they could have chosen one, I think BN is probably their best bet. 
if they could have funneled it all into one. I know that a lot of fan, fans, yeah, I should clarify, a lot of the fans were happy about ESPN3 last year because they knew where they could always find it. You know, you just grab your neighbor's cable code, you punch it into ESPN.com, you're able to watch your team's game and every other game. Yeah. Now it's going to be over 100 matches, which means that there's going to be about three per week. The other thing you got to remember, I don't know how much you like to watch over the weekend. I think, like me, you like to watch many teams. We'll generally, yeah, between the two of us, we'll get close to watching every game. Right. I think most fans, though, are only looking for their local team, and those are all on the local broadcaster. I think, for me, the ideal thing would be, again, to get onto a single network and actually NASL Live coming back in a better form when they have the money to actually do it right. Yeah. Well, what MLS Live often does is they just poach the local broadcast and put it up. And I think that's a great way to do it. Heck, even if there's like a... A replay later online somewhere that'd be good anyway we wasted too much time talking about broadcasts uh let's keep moving on to uh, some surprise news that no one saw coming right the delta force here it's here and it's apparently fueled by lots and lots of cocaine it's gonna be a really weird nasl in 2017 yeah yeah that video like whoever was editing it like had multiple lines of cocaine in front of them probably oh yeah it just seemed like this like wild ride where this guy's face was like in your thing. Apparently, it's the, it was it's in the guy thing. Who, who who founded the team. Yeah, like <laughs> dirty mind, dirty boy. No, it was he was just in your face like the bright lights and he's talking really fast and intensely. And then it's like virtual reality. All this like stuff is happening on the screen. There's animation. There's fast cuts. I was just at the end. I wanted to break a chair over my head and like I don't know, run out screaming naked. Um, it, it was Damn. kind of a batshit. Is that is that video. because he spent time in France? Is that just what the French do? Yeah, every, all, every day. That is <laughs> that's it. why they drink all their wine. All right. No, it's. I mean, the I am. I, I've said like, deltas isn't something that I've written off. I've had some questions about them in the past, but they seem to be doing okay. A lot of articles coming out about how in like Inc. magazine and some of these. Um, San Francisco trendy mags about how this team has been founded by a bunch of tech people. Yeah. So. It's just right up their alley. It's just it's going to be a strange composition to the league because I mean it's it's notorious for being mostly Eastern as of now, and then you'll run into probably a team in Chicago, and then a team in Oklahoma City, and then a team in San Francisco on the far west coast, and nothing in between. You know what's funny? Huh? Hawaii to San Francisco is shorter than San Francisco to Miami. Doesn't surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> so Hawaii is next. Right, of course. Congratulations. And then, then there's that expansion on the moon that's going to come. Somewhere. Hawaii United FC. Mm-hmm. Oh. Because mm-hmm. oh. there's no other team named United in NASL. They can oh, get away with right. it. Yeah. Right, that's that's the essential criteria. Hot takes. Um, two pieces of quick news about national team squads. Yeah. Uh, three. So three Canadians... We're called into the Canadian men's national team for some games against Mexico. Um, and uh, the team, <laughs> poor Canada. I mean, the the thing is with that group, Mexico was always going to walk through that group. And so these were their two toughest games. And so three guys from the NSL were still called in for these bloodbaths. So we had uh, Luis Guzman. We had... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actor Luis Guzman. Sweet, sassy... Who- Luis Guzman, no, Julian de Guzman, Julian, Julian, now you've got me confused. Julian de Guzman was called in, Nick Ledgerwood was called in, Marcel de Young was called in, who we want to remind you is not Nigel de Young. He did not kick Chabi Alonso in the chest. 
Right, right. So there we go. Um, no, uh, I think De Guzman started and was subbed off in the 50th minute in the second game. I can at least confirm that because I watched that game and then decided not to when it got ugly. But yeah, um, solid showing. Marcel De Jong actually has some really good movement on the left side. I think he's going to be a good addition for Ottawa. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, two Cosmos got called up. Yasmani Duke went to Bolivia and Andres Flores to El Salvador. Uh, Glad to see that Yasmani didn't duke that call up. <laughs> Three teams in the NASL released their jerseys on one star-studded fashion Milan-influenced night with lots of um, modeling and photos. Um, yeah, so, okay. All right, I'm going to pull them up over in here. three sexy markets. When right. you think sweet fashion, you think Fort Lauderdale, Ottawa, uh-huh. and Oklahoma City. Oh, all the time, man. The Though that club. that is, I heard Miranda Kerr wanted to to go to these. Um, yeah. But was like, no, these places are too cool even for me. Yep. And she said, up. I get it. Respect. Right. So, all right. Fort Lauderdale decided to, their Inaria kits, they've gone with thick hoops this year. Thick hoops, bruh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they have a black uh, away kit. Thankfully, without those god awful laces, they up did front. get rid of the laces. What do you think, dude? Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I'm curious what happened to the laces. <laughs> I wonder where they threw them. If they're just kind of sitting and floating, they're, they're in the holding ocean. together. Um, oh, what's what's that World Cup guy? The Brazilian at Fort Lauderdale. How much was his name? Blanken. Which one? Cleberson. The laces are holding up Cleberson's legs. Probably. They're just tied. He's just in. made of laces. Right. Um. Yeah, uh, that one, I, I don't know. I, I think that they were actually the least shocking change. I mean, Rios wasn't a change because they didn't have kits last year, but whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm fine with Lauderdale's. Black, I think it's cool yeah. to have a black alternate. I think, I think the new hoops look weird, and I, I like the black one, though. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Ottawa Fury next. Oh, yeah, the Ottawa jerseys. Those are going to look really good, really, really good on Tom Heineman. Oh. On uh, sorry, on, on uh, Ubi Parapop, no, um, oh. on Ryan Rick, uh, Richie. Ra- Damn, Julian Guzman plays there, right? <laughs> right, he still does. Yeah, Payzer won't wear this jersey either. I'm curious what the goalie jersey will be then. Um, but no, actually, I like them. Did you? I did like Ottawa. What do they look like? I mean, there's like a solid red and there's a solid white. Was this a pop quiz to make sure that I'd actually like seen their jerseys before? No, it's because their website still doesn't have photos of them up on their front really? page. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Maybe that was like one of those leaks of some guy who's like, oh man, I'm going to get trending because of the Ottawa Fury jersey release. No, no, no. They, they did actually release it. I, I think they, it, I never liked their weird half and half white and red jersey so i think the new one looks better but my favorite of their old jerseys was the charlie sheen shirt where it was like black and then red in the center in one single stripe right 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 right. oh those were great i actually like those these these i mean i'm looking at them right now they look like adidas templates dude yeah they look pretty standard but i i I don't think it's a bad look the good thing for Ottawa fury fans is though you're you will have johnny steel jerseys on sale so you'll be able to get them at a discount in a month or two uh, good for you guys. Yeah. Uh, Ryo OKC actually impressed the hell out of me. Really? Yeah. I really like these sashes, dude. They look sharp. The first one is like a Ryo Viacano jersey with the red sash. You know, the, the right. one made famous by Peru's national team. Uh, so that looks kind of classic and sharp. And then they did one with a rainbow, which I think is really sweet and different. It is very different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it. I think it could have been... I don't think it looks gaudy. A lot of stuff with rainbow sometimes looks gaudy. This one doesn't. Uh, it just somehow works. 
And then they have this one that's gray with a pink sash. And I am a freaking sucker for pink stuff. So you must love Miami City's alternates. Or not Miami. Oh, funny. Minneapolis cities. Right. Yeah. I, I actually do. I like. I used to be the guy who wore pink Are you buy one? in college. I might. I might. Okay. I, I like the, the chevron with the summit thing. Anyway. I'm thinking about the scarf. I am. I, I might actually. I'm seriously thinking about season tickets. I just need to save up a bit of money before I can justify that. But I like Fair to. Enough. I mean, there's still uh, another month or two. Exactly. But 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 Ryo's jerseys, man. I like this. This is good. Out of the three, I think they like knocked it out of the park. And these are going to be some of the sharpest jerseys in NASL this so year. So let's see if we're going to keep with your cheap baseball analogies. Um, They knocked it out of the park. Ottawa's was a squeeze bunt that was pretty safe and got a run in, but wasn't entertaining to watch in the slightest. And Lauderdale's was a swing and a miss. Is that what you'd say? But then they came back and they got a solid single with yeah, the, the doctors. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Okay. You know what's funny? When I came to America, the, I, I bought this, like, uh, book that was, like, adjusting to America as a college student. And it had these, like, baseball metaphors in it. Like, they, Americans will use these weird metaphors that you've never heard before, like ballpark. Anyway, so that's how I, now I learned it. I learned my lessons well. Okay. Uh, Proud of you. Moving along, two very quick notes. Railhawks have a, a local deal with Time Warner to show all 32 home and away matches. That's really cool. Um, and Ryo got a and oh yeah, Carolina's broadcast team apparently has been with the team for ten years. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Good for you guys. Yeah, same with uh, Chris Lidholm here too. I think he's, he's been, been here for twenty four. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. I I like that continuity. And then Ryo OKC got a TV deal with Cox where they're showing uh, twenty eight out of thirty two matches. Always good to see teams get on their local network. Shout out to Cox. The one. <laughs> The one really cool one is uh, Thomas Rongen is going to be on the Fort Lauderdale Strikers color team, which is so cool because now you got Shep Messing, Alan Willey, and Thomas Rongen. So three guys from the old NASL on broadcast teams to the new NASL, which I think is kind of kind of neat in that in that way. I think it's also worth mentioning on a serious note, Thomas Rongen, um, for some I mean some thoughts that he's given, and then also for a lot of memorial pieces you've seen for Johan Cruyff who passed away last week uh, while we were off the air. So, um, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Let's just take a second, I guess for Johan Cruyff. Have you, did you ever get to watch any highlights of him playing over the last week in particular now that they've been everywhere too? I didn't need to watch them last week. Cause mm-hmm. I had, um, you know, I mentioned in the pod that I started watching with the 1990 world cup and like my first memories of the final there, but my dad had recorded every pregame show which essentially was like this Indian guy talking over the highlights of previous World Cups and showing clip shows probably from like British TV of all the previous World Cups. And there was an entire VHS that was full of Johan Cruyff videos. And I've watched it all the time. I, I mean, total football, like the the heartbreaking losses that that team has suffered against Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all of that good stuff was stuff that I, I mean, I grew up on that. Mm-hmm. So Johan Cruyff for me was maybe along with Maradona, along with Pele, along with Gary Lineker, mm-hmm. um, and uh, a couple of Italians, Schilacci among them. These are like the first soccer names that I remember. Peter Shilton too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cruyff is like been the guy for me forever. No doubt. Total football man. Like he changed the way. Like Beckenbauer, I would mm-hmm. say, and and Cruyff changed the way soccer worked mm-hmm. essentially arjun robin robin van Persie, they're not here without johan cruyff that i mean just the amount that he meant I mean, we can talk about what he's meant for world football and for barcelona and for you know all these other places but 
what he's done for Holland, you know, for the Netherlands at large, remarkable. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, truly. I mean, you, you, when, when a person passes away, it's easy to kind of throw on a lot of compliments and a lot of praise to somebody in retrospect. He's someone where even when he was alive, we knew that he was one of the greats. And I think guys like Beckenbauer and Platini, their legacies have been a little more tainted than most. Yeah. Ballet too, you know, uh, in some ways. Yeah. Cruyff, at least in my thing, he never let that happen to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and for that, I have to give him some respect as well. And so huge, huge loss to this sport um, in general. But I think, Jeff, uh, on that sobering note, let's just take a quick break. And we'll come back with more signing news and then a a few previews because we have those now. It's going to be mad season soon, man. It's going to be awesome. Once again, keep in mind the criteria. The goal should demonstrate either individual or team skill on an exceptional level. There should be power involved, coupled with the finesse needed to overcome the efforts of the defenders and, in particular, the efforts of the goalkeeper. Watch now as Johan Cruyff demonstrates both grace and poise and explosiveness. This poise and explosiveness from perhaps the greatest player active in the sport of soccer today. He cuts between defenders, goes to his left, and left puts the goal into the back of the net. A 50-yard run resulting in a score for Johan Cruyff of the Washington Diplomats. And we are back to Tough Goss with some signing news. Yeah. Oh my God, signings. We thought we were free of these. Right. We We really did. So Ryo OKC signed a bunch of people from a retirement home. Uh, one of them is Footy Danceoff. Hold me closer, Footy Danceoff. If they are not bow, singing bow, that. Bow, bow, bow. If they are not singing And then he'll be like, sorry, Tony Danz is not here. And you'll be like, ah, oh, <laughs> damn it. Ryo OKC fans, you have just been given a gift. Much like the indie fans got a gift from us about supercalifragilisticubiparapovich. Mm-hmm. The Rowdies fans got a gift of Khalif don't like it. Rock oh. al-Hassan. So you guys now, this this is brilliant, Jeff. This is a great, great riff, man. I wish he played for us now so we can sing that. Well, anyway, Footy Danso is... Who knows? Uh, I mean, he's with Carolina last year. He might be with us soon. Who knows? Who knows? He's 32. He's a defender. He played 19 games for the Railhawks last year. Uh, veteran of MLS and USL, kind of move back and forth. Gambian international who actually played for Gambia fall 2015. Cool. All right. Uh, Ryan Johnson. And I asked you before the pod, who's Ryan Johnson? You were like, that's a good question. And I was man. trying to go through, like, who in my office is named Ryan Johnson. Right. Actually, yeah. yeah he is just a Minnesotan office worker named Ryan Johnson. Is going to be playing for Ryo OKC next year. Good for him. Uh, he's also part-time going to be working in their ticket office. He's 31 years old. He's a forward. 36 appearances for Jamaica, which ended in 2013. He's played for San Jose, Toronto, Portland, and then was off to South Korea and uh, China. So, wow. And now he's back. That's a range. Right. Now he's playing for Rio. And then they also signed uh, Yuma, whose real name is Javier Monsalves. Uh, the 30... 310 from Yuma. The 310 from Yuma. <laughs> uh, yes. He's 30. He's a midfielder. He played for a bunch of second and third division Spanish clubs, including Rayo Vallecano. Just like Derek Boateng, he didn't know which one he was signing for. He's like, Rayo, yay! I think this might actually be the first, like, blatant... No, yeah, this is the first signing that's actually involved a former Rayo Vallecano player. Derek Boateng. Boateng? Oh, that's right, he yeah, did. he did. Yep, that's right. I, th- I think, I forget if Juanan had that too. Maybe not. 
I don't think so, but you know, you're. I don't right. think Paul that was Chang one of the clubs he played for before. I don't. <laughs> uh, anyway, Indy Eleven added a guy whose first name comes out of Star Wars, Jer, Jer Renoso. Which, by it's the like, way, he's like the dude that hangs out like in the parking lot at your high school, and like smokes cigarettes, and he seems so cool. He's like, "Hey, look over there, at Jer." <laughs> hey, Jer, what's going? He's like, "Yeah." And that's it, because he doesn't really say much. He yeah, just he's just too cool for school. Uh, and then he ends up, you come back home after going to college, and he's still there in the same clothes, like still mm-hmm. at the high school for some reason. Yep. Like, really awkward. Yep. Oh, yeah. Jer. Yeah, well, he's 30. He's an attacker. He uh, had 15 games last year in the Chilean first division, so you know he's world class. <laughs> and he's Colombian. So we'll see what happens. Um, you also had, this was the weird thing. I started reading the signing, and then... I saw that Indy released three guys, which, okay, Dragon Stoikov, who's been with them, I think, a couple of years, mm-hmm. and then Dino Williams, who I don't even remember. And then they released Steven Deru. They just signed the guy like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Well, they heard us talking about how he is the most <laughs> exciting NASL signing ever. It's like, you know what? We had the press conference. Let's let someone else have the fun. <laughs> so he's a free agent. It's ridiculous, dude. I mean, the minute they signed him, like, basically Twitter was filled with people being like, wow, this guy's trash. And, I mean, he'd been in San Antonio just from the, like, sake of that he played with them for so long. But I'm not surprised. No. I just, I just surprised it happened, like, before the season even started. Kind of sad. He'll probably end up in Puerto Rico. Let's be honest. Yeah, probably. Um, then Ottawa made a signing, too. Uh, they, they signed uh, Edan Vered. Is that our guess? Okay. Um, Edom Vered, who is an Israeli youth international. Um, he's 27 now, but at one point he was called the next Israeli Pele. Now I have a question for you. Who no, was... I, I, I made that I made that up. That okay, was well joke. then let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Who was the first Israeli Pele? Because <laughs> I would understand the next Pele. I'd understand the Israeli, but who was the first Israeli Pele? So, so NASL when, or, or the Fury, when they announced this guy, they were like, former youth Israeli international, which I'm like, okay, that's like saying he was a soccer player. Great. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean much to me. But then I was thinking like, maybe this is like Freddie Adu, right? Like, you know, uh, you know, youth international, so much potential. He was like the next great thing. And then he had this spectacular fall from grace. And now this is his redemption moment. I have no idea if any of this is true, but like, uh, that's 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 who he is in my head. He's basically Israeli Freddie Adu. Well, I mean, last year he had eight regular season appearances with Fik Krevena Svedsta Belgrade, which you listeners probably know better as Red Star Belgrade, uh, which is the team that uh, back in the communist days, uh, their supporters broke into the players' dressing room after a game. And either threatened to or actually broke the knees of a couple of players. Damn. Definitely beat them up. Mm. This is like, you know, crazy Eastern European fans who the players are actually afraid of. Yeah, Red Star Belgrade has those. So. And he left them. Imagine why. Right. Uh, big big whoop. Uh, I know the Fury FC fans are like really dangerous, you know, like, oh, you no, just no. want you don't want a you familiar don't, you don't, environment. You don't want to see them when they're furious. You right. really don't. Well, hey, with that shitty pun, we did it. We got through the off-season transactions. We, we don't know more. We have well, no more off-season transactions. We have spent five months putting this together for you, the listener, to listen and hear all the transactions. And I'm sure you all have them memorized, so you're going to be very well versed when we go into this next segment. Thank us. Mm-hmm. No doubt.
Yeah, we have now got uh, our hot take pancake spring table. Spring table. Our predictions. Oh, man. You we're, know, we're lo- saving this. We are going to save this. And long-term Tough Cast listeners will know that my predictions are always a train wreck. But I go with it. I'm breaking my rules. I'm going to make predictions about Minnesota again. I don't like that. That makes me nervous. Oh, because wh- why does it make you nervous? We because, lose listeners. Well, I mean, I guess like the thing is like, okay, you didn't make predictions and we got third. So what's the worst? You know, like, okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. Make predictions. Let's see what happens. Maybe you're our good luck charm. So let's uh, let's go top of the table to the bottom, shall we? We shall. Okay. So, right. do you, do you want to go uh, me first and then you, or you first and me, or both together, or what do you, you want to do? <laughs> On the count of three, just <laughs> <laughs> read that. Ah! Yeah. Uh, and no. then what, what? you, the listener, has to decipher who said what. Try to tell the difference between a guy who was born in Central Minnesota and another one who was raised in India. So, so you go first. You give me all of your one, one to eleven. We're not going to do reactions to these. The only ones that we'll actually analyze at the end are the expansion teams. Mm-hmm. Now, all, all you hear from me is a ooh or an ah or some reaction from that. Something mis- mystical. Let's actually yeah. both go our first, then our second, then our third. See, but then people lose track of which ones are where for us. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm saying well, you we'll go. We'll tweet them out. Yeah, go, 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 go. Okay, fine. Let, go front and center. Here we go. So my one seed, I have Minnesota, then New York Cosmos, third Carolina Railhawks, fourth Indy 11, fifth FC Edmonton, hmm. sixth Jacksonville Armada, huh. seven Tampa Bay Rowdies, hmm. eight Rio OKC, nine Miami FC, 10 Ottawa Fury, 11 Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Hmm. I hope you enjoy those reactions. Et toi? Uh, mine are... Feel like you're still in France? Thank you. Thank you for, for helping me acclimate back home. Uh, ooh. Uh, number one, <laughs> Minnesota United FC. Number two, the New York Cosmos. Uh, number three, Carolina Railhawks. Number four, Indy 11. Number five, the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. What? Number six, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Number seven, Raya OKC. Number eight, the Jacksonville Armada. Number nine, Miami FC. Number 10, FC Edmonton. And mm. number 11, the Fury. I hate Canada. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what. The difference between your prediction and my prediction is where we put Fort Lauderdale and Edmonton. Pretty much. That's about Pretty it. Pretty much. I yeah. mean, our other predictions are within one or two. Our top four are identical. I don't know how we did that. But our, and again, I want to add a precursor here. This is just for the spring season. Right, right. We are right. not predicting the full season. Right. So what are things that you look for in a champion for the spring season? I think Steve Lilly had tweeted at the pod asking how many points it takes. I would say it generally takes. Last year it took 20. I would say 21, 22. You're safely feeling like you're winning the spring. I think NASL is such an unpredictable league that there are teams that um, one year are complete shit and next year come back and, and rock the, the world. Um, I mean, we're a good example of that. 2013 mid-table, 2014 ran away with everything, 2015 mediocre in the spring, you know? Um, I would say... I, I when I look at these, I, it's kind of a it's a it's a gut feeling for me. That's how I make my predictions. I, I look at the the guys on who have signed because we don't get to watch a lot of preseason games. Like it's just not feasible with time. Um, I I don't put a lot of stock in continuity though. Really, Why I mean not? the intersection of that and the previous year, sure. But like, 
Minnesota United, 2014 to 15, we had so much continuity, and then 15 was a weaker year, you know? Yeah, but look at the new guys we brought in. I, there, there genuinely were some clubhouse cancers that were brought in. And the biggest one was expelled midseason, and most of the other ones are gone now. So, right. Right. So I think that it's, it's fair, but I think that Minnesota is a pretty odd example from last year mm-hmm. because of the guy. I mean, the reason that, I mean, now he's with Ottawa, <laughs> and we don't need to say much more about that. Um, but I think, I think continuity is huge. I really do because you have in again for this year, like last year, you have 10 games and whoever has the most points after 10 games, which is such a small sample size gets a home playoff game. And so if you're trying to rally around that, you want guys who've been there before you want guys who have played, you know, alongside each other and know what the other players are going to do so they don't have to think about, okay, well, we worked on this in training last week, mm-hmm. so if I remember right, it means that PC is going to be cutting to the right, and so I'm supposed to pass it over to him so that we can make sure we get it to... You know, like, right. you, you don't want to be playing that. You want to have it be unconscious. I think one of the things that I found myself thinking about was training time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things with the strikers for me was... They've been training longer than everybody. They've faced high-level opposition. They've done a lot of different things. And I think in the spring, which is a sprint, they might that might help them out. I also think that their coach is an interesting guy. I think it... I mean, some of this could go all horribly wrong based on some preconceptions, and I'm open to that. But I, I really have some faith in the strikers. This might come and bite me in the butt later. But speaking of the strikers in Edmonton, by the way, the really funny thing is uh, our friend Mike Pendleton, who goes by Fat7Deuce on Twitter... He's a Rowdy's fan. He has been producing some fantastic stats and graphics, and he produced one about continuity in the NASL, what percentage of players have returned from team to team, <laughs> ranked them. He also had notable additions, coaching changes, all this other good trading stuff. Trading cards. Right. He's been making trading cards, too. That's really cool. really cool. He's put a lot of, actually, of, of his free time into this stuff, and I really love love his creations. Anyway, you should go take a look. His uh, Twitter handle, again, is PHAT7DEUCE. Uh, but... Edmonton has the highest returning percentage, 75%. We're second with 63%, and the Cosmos are third with 56%. Last is the Strikers, who have 25% returning, uh, second to last of the Railhawks with 30%, and the Fury have 35%, third to last. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at the average ages, I mean, for what that's worth, they're all very pretty smally. But He made that graph, too. He made the average mm-hmm. age graph. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a really easy one to read, too, with uh, the oldest and the youngest player for each team, which is kind of fun to see, too. Really cool. Edmonton is at 26 years, is their average age. Um, and their gap is The youngest, only, right? The youngest is 18. The oldest is 31. They average at 26. Right, but I'm saying their average age is the youngest. Besides Puerto Rico FC. Yeah, but they've got, like, three guys. Three guys, yeah. So bunch of Travis. Cute. Yep. So, yeah, the youngest... Um, Lauderdale's at 27.8, Minnesota's at 28.4, the New York Cosmos are at 27.5, Carolina's at 27.5, and those are kind of the, 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 the main teams, I guess, um, that we've been highlighting during the yeah. offseason. So I think that it's one thing to say Ryo OKC, for example, who we both agree are mid to lower table this spring. Um, they have a lot of experience. They have veteran guys but they don't have American League veteran guys on their team. 
They really don't. It's a lot of players who spent most of their time internationally. And yep. ask any player who comes from the Premier League to America, what's the toughest part about playing in MLS? Travel. It's right. the travel. It's the scheduling. It's the conditions. And for guys like Samaras, like Boateng, I think it's going to be really tough for them to adjust. It's, it's also the physicality of the NASL in particular. There's a, there's a little bit more of a recklessness in defense sometimes that comes in uh, where there isn't... You get a little bit madder at guys. Raul was able to like make that work for him. Um, so maybe Samaras can pull a Raul. I think Rayo's focus has been, you know, we've, we've always been like, ooh, ah, these guys who they've, who they've signed. And they're the oldest team in the NASL. Average is 30. Mm-hmm. A full year older than Indy 11 or 29. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think Rio in the spring will do well because they have, or well enough to kind of get where they went with my predictions uh, because they have that experience. The experience does count for something. I think that's something Edmonton lacks. Let me ask you, um, we both have Carolina and Indy at three and four. For you, is Indy closer to number three, which is Carolina, or five, Fort Lauderdale, whereas I have Indy between Carolina and Edmonton. Are they closer to third or fifth for you? Fifth. Because they're a pretty polarizing team this year. They Indy are. Indy is. Why? They just haven't been able to bring it together for me. And they've got a new coach. I, I've been impressed by some of their signings. I think they've reinforced it as a third year, so they should know what they're doing off the field by now in terms of their facilities, in terms of their um, staff. You know, and Hankinson is might be new, but he's not. So I was confident enough to put them high up, but he's uh, still new to the team. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't confident saying, okay, this guy's for sure in the playoffs. Yeah, guys like Zayed, guys like Uvi Parapovic are going to be okay. Um, I think for me with Carolina, it was the simple matter of they were a good team for the beginning of last year, and they've got even better. And their defense in particular, something that NASL like really emphasizes. Their defense is really freaking good this year. Mm-hmm. Connor Tobin, Simon Mensing, Paul Black. They might have the best defense this year. Agreed. And they lost Footy. Right. We played 19 games for them last year. When I talked to Christian Ramirez this week, he said, I'm glad Footy's gone, but they've got a tough defense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's Carolina Railhawks are going to be the team that if their attack works, they could do better than third. But that's also the team where, I mean, for MLS fans, you look at the Dom Kinnear-led Houston teams of the turn of the decade, from like 2008 until 2013, where they'd bunker down, solid defense, wear you thin, and then in like the 80th minute, sneak a goal, and that's three points. It doesn't matter how you do it. That's yeah. that's just like winning a 4-1 game in Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. you know? Agreed. So, so you know, that team and maybe it's just the orange jerseys <laughs> that are blinding me and making me think that they can play that way but i think that that's gonna be the formation they're a team that is held to a formation for most of their time in the nasl mm-hmm. and so it's just finding players who fit that system and that's tough to do but if you can do it and you do it well it's tough to play against so i really yeah. do think that they're the third best team i think something in edmonton's um corner and carolina's is 
you know, two of the more experienced coaches in NASL too. And Colin, Colin Clark in particular, Carolina is a guy who knows what he's doing. Anyway, we are belaboring the point with our season preview and our predictions, and this might all be completely wrong. And when, the, well, okay, when let's, Rio okay. wins the soccer bowl and no doubt November. they're going to sweep every single trophy now. Right. Um, but I guess the one quick question for you is you said Lauderdale um, really stands out to you. I think it's going to be really tough because everyone is new. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone's new on that roster. I mean, even the coach, fairly new. Um, ownership, there's no continuity with that. I could see them getting fourth or f- fifth or sixth in the fall. I don't think that's happening in the spring. I think they have enough veterans, and they, again, they're, the length of their preseason training, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have that thing that Minnesota United had in 2014, where they just went abroad. They had this kind of, I, I, there's a vibe there that I'm picking up on. That I think we'll we'll see them through, but we'll see. They, it might be a train wreck. We mm-hmm. will we will definitely see. Speaking of uh, train wrecks, let's let's make even more predictions really quick about mm-hmm. uh, who's going to win. And let's not. So, so this year yeah. we're we're actually going to keep track. Yeah, that's going to be something different. I mean, it, it is different because we traded, uh, you know, uh, Kyle and his flawless pick'em. Yeah, he skill. nailed my ass to the yep. wall last year. Uh, he left. He retired a champion like Raul. And I came in as the scrappy young guy who wants to try to do well. So now this year, hopefully, <laughs> we'll be able to figure out how it goes. All so right. the first game is going to be the Jacksonville Armada taking on Loneliness. Yep, they have a bye week. So uh, I think Loneliness will win against the Armada. I think Armada's defense was crap last year and Loneliness oh, can beats I, us all. I want to, because this game actually wasn't a game, um, no draws this year. Nope. Nope. No draws this year. It'll be easier to keep track of standings too. So what happens if it is a draw? Do we both? Then we one? then it's one point. Yeah, then it's a point for, for huh for either way. Okay, so it's gonna be easier to do. So I think this is gonna be as controversial as the away games rule. So here we go. Did. Well, let's start with an away game for Minnesota then. And the first game of the season at two p.m. on Saturday Central Standard Time will be Carolina versus Minnesota. Who you got, <laughs> Mister? I'm picking Minnesota games now. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Carolina. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's I. We've we've been rough out of the out of the stable a couple of times, and I I don't know. I'm feeling pessimistic because that's how I go. This is why I don't make predictions about Minnesota. Anyway, go ahead. All right, I'm picking got? Minnesota on this one. Um, I am. All right. And uh, second game is Fort Lauderdale versus Miami. Who you got? Uh, I just want to clarify. On these, it's the home game first every game. Right. Okay. Home team. <laughs> That matters. I'm picking, after t- saying that they're going to get 11th, I'm picking Fort Lauderdale. FTL, okay. Yeah, that's that's actually my pick, too. Okay. Um, uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies versus Indy 11. Oh, my God. This is this is really hard. Isn't this tough without draws? <laughs> this is really, I think it's more interesting, though. Who do you think the better uh, team is going to be? I'm just going to say it. I think this will be a draw, but if I have to pick a winner, it's going to be Indy. I would agree. I think that there's a lot of moving parts in Tampa Bay, and I think it's going to be a beautiful mess to watch for the first six weeks, and mm. then they'll start to gel. But okay. I think that for now it's going to be really tough, so I'm going to say Indy gets this one. Um, Ryo OKC against Edmonton? Ryo. I'm picking Ryo. I'm going Ryo as well. well God damn actually, it, actually, no, I'm going Edmonton. Have you seen Ryo's field? <laughs> Did you see the picture tweeted out today uh, of a Chia yeah, Pet's head? I, I, I'm actually like I made the wrong prediction there. I'm gonna stick with it because that's, that's what I'm gonna do. But yeah, it's it's 
Ryo also hasn't as much training time as Edmonton, I'm pretty sure. Turf on turf. Right. That so, baffles me. Yeah. How are I'm sorry. How are guys like Samaras, like Boateng, how are these guys gonna stay healthy? How indeed. How indeed. Oh. Cosmos right. versus Fury. Cosmos. The match of the Super oh, oh, Soccer Bowl 2015. Soccer Bowl 2015. Grudge match. <laughs> They're back at James Stewart Stadium. The Sharks. I thought you were going to keep going. No. We're making a hype video for this. It's the Cosmos. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> right. And now, of course, like, uh, Julian de Guzman is going to, like, kick in, like, eight goals. Eight like bicycle kicks. Right. It's <laughs> it's going to be amazing. The Cosmos are just going to leave the field, like, disgraced. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be a picture of a bunch of crying Cosmos fans. The guy is going to give up his World Cup trophy in a touching gesture to the visiting German fans. Yep. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be all that. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. Yep. Well, uh, I'm excited, man. It all starts on Saturday. It's good to have it back. It is. Good I miss the NASL. The, the, the season is here. We can now focus on soccer and none of the bullshit. Um, it's going to be awesome, man. Well, if you want to keep up with coverage, Jeff, where are you on Twitter? I am at J-E-F-F-R-U-E-T-E-R. I can be found at Lockstock Spock. And, of course, the main T United fans Twitter account where you want to go at TWO United fans. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Tell your friends about this show. We like getting more listeners. We like having people answer our requests for questions. We like having people uh, give us feedback, suggestions, things that they disagree with us about. And rate us on iTunes if you can. That's that's kind of useful um, for new people looking for podcasts to follow. But thank you, everybody. We will see you on Thursday. Next Thursday, we'll tell you just how wrong everything was that we decided <laughs> to be. Or at least I decided it was going to be. This is Notch. This is Jeff. Have a good night, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>